Hey, Chapel Street Church. I'm excited to talk to you about something called Rooted. Some of you already know about Rooted. It's been part of our church for a number of years now. Uh, several years ago, we were thinking and praying about, if you ask the average person who's part of Chapel Street what's next in their spiritual journey, we had a thousand different answers. And we felt like we needed one clear next step. And that's what Rooted has become. It's a 10-week journey through the gospel and scripture built around experiences. That's what makes it unique. It's not just study and filling in the blank answers. It's built around experiences through 10 weeks in community. There's a serve experience, there's a prayer experience, and these things combined in community help change people's lives. I've talked to many of you who have been deeply impacted by Rooted. Uh, some of you who are mature believers might be thinking, well, this is I've already passed this. Not so. It's for you. If you're a brand new believer, it's for you. If you call Chapel Street your home and you're looking for the next step in your life with Christ in our community of faith, Rooted is exactly for you. We encourage you to take part in it. There's a new round of Rooted groups launching very soon. In, in fact, I've talked to so many people. One individual just recently has been through it three times that every time they learn something new. So I want to encourage you, if you call Chapel Street your home and you're feeling like God is moving you to take a next step in your faith in the new year, get involved in a Rooted group. Don't take my word for it. We want you to hear from those who've been part of it. This is our second time through Rooted. You probably learn more going through it with another group of people and uh, seeing new members of this new campus share their experiences, share their testimonies, growing in their faith. It's been my first Bible study, probably going to uh, change my opinion of future Bible studies just because it is so unique, so different. It's really reminded me that you know, you're loved for who you are. There's nothing you need to do in order to get that love. As I reflect back at significant moments in my Christian life, I had no idea Rooted would become so impactful. I've gained eight new deep relationships with people who were relatively strangers a few weeks before. Every week that I'm learning more and more, honestly blowing my mind as a philosophy nerd and just a science nerd, it's the coolest thing to realize that we get to have a personal relationship with the Lord of the universe. Good to be with you today. My name is Joe Scavato, one of the pastors here at Chapel Street, and I'm so excited I get to talk to you about Rooted for just a few minutes today. Uh, many of you know this, part of my job is to oversee the Rooted program here at the church, um, and can I just say that, that it is absolutely one of my favorite parts of being here and, and being a part of what God is doing at Chapel Street. We hear so many times from, from people looking to grow in their faith, looking to, to build habits, to take that next step, and, and many times we're not sure of what that is. Maybe you've been there before. Maybe for, for some of you, you've been coming here for a while and, and you're, you, you like what's going on here. God's doing something in your life, but, but maybe you're looking for a deeper level of connection, of community. Maybe you wish people knew your name and your story and, and you wish you knew the same about others. If that's true for you, I want to encourage you and invite you today to join a Ruta group this fall. It's absolutely one of the best things I've been a part of. My, my wife and I have been through it together. It's a great thing to do uh, as a couple or with yourself. And, and our next session starts soon on September 11. Our next session launches. It's a 10-week program, as, as Pastor Jeff mentioned, just a great way to grow in your faith. And so today, if that's what you're looking for, if you're, if you're thinking, you know, what is that next step? What is it for me? Maybe today it is rooted. And I could keep going, but I've got a sermon to preach. So uh, let's pray, um, and then we'll dive into God's word today. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing each one of us here. Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for being so praiseworthy as we got to do so beautifully this morning. 
Father, today as we open up your word, we, I, I, I pray for those of us that, uh, that need to be encouraged, to need to uh, be comforted, that need to be reminded of the truth of who you are. Allow us to hear that now. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, again, it's good uh, to be back with you. It's been a little while since I've been uh, able to join you here at the Kessinger campus, those of you watching online. A quick update from the Scavato family. Uh, Our son, Luca, just this past week turned 10 months old. Uh, That is overwhelming to think about, and so I'm choosing to just not think about it, Uh, which that seems healthy. We're so grateful, by the way, uh, for those of you, every, every time I'm here, people ask, how's he doing? I'm praying for you guys. That, that means the world to us. I, I just want you to know that. I, I think, to me, that's one of the best parts about being part of a church family, is being surrounded by people who care for each other. And that's been just such a blessing for me. I, I remember when Judy was pregnant, many people would come up to us and, and give us different pieces of advice about parenting. One of the things I wish we had listened to more were the people that said, write everything down because you're not going to remember it. And boy, is that the truth. Many of you uh, have mentioned that. I remember back when I was a kid uh, discovering the baby books that my mom wrote when I was born in my first couple years of life. I don't know if parents in my generation do that anymore. Uh, I think we just post everything on Instagram. Um, But I remember looking at this and and going through these books and, and she wrote down so many memories and all these milestones. You know, Joe took his first step today. Joe said his first word, which was ball. Joe's brother, Nick, said he doesn't want a brother. He wants all the attention for himself. (laughs) And I remember one entry in particular. It happened when I was three years old, and I came upon this, uh, and the entire entry was three words long. It said, Joe is stubborn. (laughs) And you guys, I was so offended. I was like, I am not stubborn, and there is nothing you can do to convince me otherwise. And to prove to you that I am simply a non-stubborn person, I've held on to that for 20 years and don't plan on continuing. So uh, clearly that is a label that has stuck with me in my family. Uh, Today we're continuing this series that we've been going through for, for the whole summer. We only have a few weeks left. We've been calling it By Faith. We've been exploring Hebrews chapter 11, looking at what it means to live by faith. And to do so, we've been looking at these stories These stories of Old Testament heroes, of people who have gone before us. And today, we're going to be looking at the story of a person who knew what it was like to be labeled as something. And to have that label stick with them for the rest of their life. We spent the last couple of weeks looking at the example of Moses. One of the most important people in all of scripture. Someone who truly lived by faith by leaving his home in Egypt and bringing his people out of slavery and leading them through the desert and towards the promised land. Today, our story picks up with the start of a new journey with Moses' successor, a man named Joshua, leading the entrance into this promised land, this moment that the Israelite people had been waiting on for hundreds of years. Joshua's story can be found in the book of Joshua. His life is full of faith moments, and yet what's fascinating about what we're going to look at today is that Joshua is not the next person listed in our faith hall of fame in Hebrews chapter 11. In fact, he's not listed at all. So today, let's look at what is listed and let's talk about why it's there. Turn with me if you have a Bible with you to Hebrews chapter 11. We're gonna read two verses today, verses 30 and 31. It says this, By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient. 
because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. By faith, who? Not Joshua, not this brilliant military general, not this faithful leader, not this great successor of Moses. By faith, Rahab. By faith, Rahab, and here is her label, Rahab the prostitute. Perhaps this is not what you were expecting to see in this faith hall of fame. Not the description you would associate with one of the heroes of our faith. And perhaps it's even a label that makes you a little bit uncomfortable today. And yet we're going to see today in Rahab's story, one of the most beautiful and also most impactful stories of faith in this entire series. Someone who truly shows what it means to live by faith. So today we're going to look at her story in Joshua chapter 2 as we're going to see a pursuing faith, a saving faith, and a lasting faith. We'll start with a pursuing faith. We're going to read here in Joshua 2 starting in verse 1, the first seven verses of the story. It says this, Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go, view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab and lodged there. It was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. And the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, True. The men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords, and the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. Today I want to show you uh, how this story is a story of God seeing more. It's a story of God seeing more. Have you ever known someone or met someone, someone that's been a part of your life who saw more in you than maybe you even saw in yourself? I remember after I graduated uh, college, my first job after graduation was doing an internship at a a youth ministry with a church. And and a few months into that internship, they had me give my first message. And you guys, it was so, so terrible. It was so bad. And and I don't know if you've ever done your job badly in front of 100 middle school students, but I would not say that empathy is what I got that day. And I felt like a complete failure. It was so bad. And I remember uh, my, my boss uh, coming to me and, and trying to uh, give me some words of encouragement. In fact, uh, one of the students afterward came up to me and asked me, are you getting paid to be here? <laughs> Which that is just the most devastating thing, like elite level burn by a 12-year-old girl. Um, <laughs> And so my boss came to me, and and he knew after that I needed some encouragement. And he told me something that I still remember all these years later. He told me that, that I see that you are called to be here. And I see that you have gifts that are going to grow. And it is hard for me to describe how much I needed to hear those words, how much I needed to see how much he actually believed them to be true, how much strength they gave me to keep going. This is the image of God, I think we're shown in this story, of God seeing more. 
We see this in our text as, as Rahab's story began and we meet these spies that Joshua sends into the city. Remember what I mentioned earlier, that Joshua has just taken over command, just succeeded, his, uh, just succeeded Moses, and this is actually his first strategic move to enter into this promised land. He sends these two spies into Jericho this first city that they would encounter to size up the enemy and see what they were dealing with. And yet almost immediately, the focus of our story shifts away from them and towards this woman, Rahab. We're told this in verse six, that Rahab does the exact opposite thing that you would expect her to do. She does not turn these people in. She doesn't try to get some sort of reward. She doesn't look after her own interests but rather she takes these men up to the roof and she hides them under these stalks of flax. Flax is kind of this long crop that was used to make linen or even sometimes rope, which we'll see later in our story. This is the first lesson that Rahab's story can teach us. That faith's origin is always God's pursuit of God's people. Faith's origin story is God's pursuit of his people. This is how our story begins with God pursuing, chasing after, running towards one of his children. Consider what we know about Rahab for just a moment. We know this about her. We know that she was not part of the nation of Israel. She was not part of God's chosen people, but rather was a Canaanite, part of a nation that followed their own gods, part of a city that God was about to destroy. We know she lived a life that we would call sinful. Whether she chose that life or was forced into it, we don't know that. We know she would have been an outcast at the lowest end of her society, forced to live on the very edge of the city where she would be most vulnerable to attack. She would have been labeled something, unworthy, unclean, not good enough, not successful enough, not important enough, a nobody. And yet this is who God decides to pursue, to chase after, and ultimately to use as part of his redemptive story. See, God did not see what the world saw when he looked at Rahab. He saw more. He did not see someone who was at the lowest end of society with the least amount of worth. He didn't see a disappointment. He didn't see someone who had messed up too much, who had gone too far. What did he see? He saw someone created in his own image. He saw a daughter. He saw someone who was worth everything, indescribable value. And he said, no matter how many things might be in the way, how many barriers there are between us, this is someone who is worth the pursuit. I think for us, there's a danger uh, when we read this story. There's a danger for us when we read this to to think, wow, God can save even Rahab. How great is he? And yet this is the beauty of the gospel, that yes, that is true. He can save even Rahab, and also he can save even me and even you. See, this is why she is in our faith hall of fame, to remind us that those of us with imperfect backgrounds, those of us who have messed up, those of us who have struggled in life, Those of us who have experienced strongholds that today, in this moment, God is pursuing and chasing after and running towards you, that he longs to bring you home and into his family where you truly belong. He will stop at nothing to offer you that. 
This is what we see in Romans chapter five, verse eight, that God demonstrated his love in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the gospel, that you do not have to make a way to God because he has already made a way to you. He has pursued you. He has chased after you and he still does today. See, this is the hope that we have, that the beauty of the story that we see that like Rahab, we, we've all put obstacles between us and God. This is what we've seen over and over in this series, that Abraham lied to protect himself, that Jacob was self-centered in about a hundred ways. Moses killed a guy, and yet over and over, God saw more. He said, you are not what you, are, what you have been labeled as. You are not your failures. You are not your disappointments. You are more than your mistakes. You are someone that is worth the pursuit. This is the simple uh, verse in 1 John chapter four, faith's origin story that we love, why? Because he first loved us. God has pursued us. Think with me uh, for just a moment about these spies. We're told this in verse one that, that Joshua sends them into the city. And then in verse two, immediately they are caught. They're not very good at being spies, are they? It seems kind of like a a failure on their part, doesn't it? But what if God saw more? What if God saw a bigger purpose, a higher calling for these two men? What if he knew that they were going to leave this camp as spies and they were gonna return as missionaries? That God had given them a purpose to go into the city and it wasn't to gather information, but it was to witness transformation, to meet Rahab to be part of her faith journey. This is our next faith lesson, that living by faith means living on mission. When you put your faith in Christ, when you are a follower of Jesus, no longer are you just an employee or an employer or a student or a parent, you are sent, you are placed on purpose and for a purpose. You are a missionary. This is your calling to be ready as these spies were when you meet someone that is ready to have an encounter with God. To be ready when you go to work this week, when you encounter your neighbors, when you walk by them on the street, when you see people that are ready to have an encounter with God. To be ready to see their aches and their desires and their strongholds. To see yourself as sent and placed. Students, as you start this new school year, Our hope is not simply that you would just get good grades, although we want you to do your best. No, our hope is that you recognize your purpose as someone that is sent and placed to bring hope and life and light to those that might be experiencing darkness. Friends, this is what our schools and our workplaces and our communities are in desperate need of. Let us be the church that is ready when called upon. This is pursuing faith. We keep moving in our story. And the next thing we see is a saving uh, faith, a saving faith. I mentioned earlier, uh, Luke had just turned 10 months old. And, and I've shared before here uh, my hope that, that he will look just like me. It's mostly ego-driven. Um, and unfortunately, I have bad news. It's time for me to throw in the towel. That boy looks just like his mom. It's probably a good thing for him. I think my wife knows it, though. Uh, Because the other day we were talking and she told me something. She said, he has your ears. (laughs) And that is the exact thing you say when someone doesn't look anything like you. (laughs) 
She has, she has your ears. What does that even mean? It's fine. I'm over it. Um, but Luke, he's such a chill and happy kid. I think the Lord knew that his dad needed someone chill and happy. Um, but recently we've learned that when he gets upset, there are two levels of issues that we encounter. There are level one problems and level one problems I can help with. We are good with either one of us. We can kind of reassure him and tell him he's okay and give him that comfort and protection, everything he needs. Level two problems, there is only one person that can help. That boy needs his mom. Maybe those of you that are our parents know what that's like. And, and reading this next part of our story made me think about those level two problems. Let's read the next couple of verses in our story, starting in verse eight. Before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, how about those for names, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord, your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I've dealt kindly with you, you also will deal, will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. And the men said to her, our life for yours, even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. And she let them down by a rope through the window for her house was built into the city wall so that she lived in the wall. Okay, so there was a lot there. If I lost you along the way, let me tell you what just happened. Two things have just happened. Rahab has made a declaration of faith and then she made a deal. She made this deal, my kindness in exchange for yours. As I have protected you, you too will protect me. But I wanna talk about this declaration of faith. This thing that she says where she declares what God has done, what he will do. And then we see this in verse 11, this beautiful statement of who God is. That this God that we've heard about, this Lord, this Yahweh is the one true God, the God of heaven and of earth and of everything that lives within. Imagine for just a moment how those spies must have felt. Imagine the fear that they must have had getting caught in this weird city that they'd never been to and this stranger helps you for some reason even though she shouldn't have and, and then she comes to you and you're just waiting for her list of demands. You're waiting for her to say, if you want my protection, you better give me this. But instead, this is what she says. I want to declare allegiance to your God. I want to, want to fall under the protection that he offers. This is the next thing that we see about living by faith, that living by faith changes our allegiance and it changes our protection. Living by faith changes our allegiance. This is what we just saw. And it's important that we see it for what it is. It's important that you see that Rahab here is not just simply showing hospitality to two strangers she doesn't know. No, when she is doing this, this act of faith is abandoning everything that she had ever known. She's saying, no longer will I follow the gods that I grew up with. No longer will I live and continue in the lifestyle that I've been living. And perhaps most compelling and interesting of all, no longer will I declare my ultimate allegiance to my king, 
or to my country or to my city, even at the risk of my own life. This, according to scripture, is what saving faith does. It's what James talks about in his New Testament letter as he writes about the relationship between faith and works. And the argument that he's making is not that works are how we earn our our faith, but rather that works are how we reveal our faith. That true faith transforms hearts. And one of the ways we know our hearts are being transformed is that we feel compelled to do good works. To make this argument, he gives two examples. Two examples from the Old Testament. He talks about Abraham offering up Isaac. We looked at that earlier in this series. And then do you know the second example? You can probably guess based on who we're talking about today. Rahab. He says this in James chapter 2, verse 25. In the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? In other words, Rahab's faith was revealed by a change of allegiance, by a change of identity that we are, seen, that we are displayed and, and shown in this story. It's displayed by her saying, even if it costs me something, even if it costs me everything, I'm gonna live for my new king, my new God, the only God, because he is worth it. This is what it means to live by faith, what it means to truly follow Jesus. It says, no longer is my hope in what I can see, no longer is my identity based on what I've been labeled, and no longer is my ultimate allegiance found in the nation or the government or political party that I belong to, that to be a good citizen, like Romans 13 commands, is something I will do, but my hope is not found in the kingdoms of this world. It is found in the God of the universe. Faith changes our allegiance. It also changes our protection. This is the next thing that we see. Think for a moment about all the things that Rahab didn't know. She'd never been to church before. She didn't grow up to going to vacation Bible school in the summer. She'd never been in a rooted group, never donated a penny in the offering box. She'd never sung praises to God like we get to do each and every week. She was brand new. Maybe if you didn't grow up to church, you know the feeling of of being new and we have this whole churchy language that we use and we just expect you to to catch up. And, And maybe you know what it's like to be on the outside looking in. Well, that's where Rahab was this day. And yet there was one thing she did know to be true. There was one thing and that one thing was enough. She knew that she had a level two problem. That she had a problem and there was only one that could fix it, one that could help, one that could comfort, one that could offer the protection that she needed from what she knew was on its way. That God's protection was greater and stronger than any city wall. Remember where all this is happening, Jericho. Jericho, this fortified city with incredibly strong walls, a city that nobody thought would fall. It was in those times one of the safest places a person could live. If anybody could have relied on their physical protections, it would have been her. But do you remember what faith is? Do you remember our definition of faith, the assurance of what is hoped for and the conviction of what is unseen? And by faith, Rahab saw the invisible protections of an invisible God as greater than anything the world could offer her. This is the faith that she shows us. 
that she believed to be true, what we see written later in Psalm chapter three, verse three, that you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. This is what it means to live by faith, to believe that God is our shield, our protector, our refuge, our stronghold, our strength. This is the beauty of living by faith that you don't need to have all the answers to get started. You don't need to be an expert. You don't need to be a pastor. You just need to make the decision that Rahab made that that I am no longer going to rely on the protection and the comfort and the safety and the security of this world. No longer will I rely on on needing to have my bank accounts full and my bills of health being clean and my five-year plan working out. I have a shield. I have a protector. I have a refuge. No matter what's going on in your life today and no matter what tomorrow brings, this is true for you as well. This brings us to the last part of our story, lasting faith. Let me read a couple of verses, verse 18 and 19. These are the spies speaking to Rahab. They say this, Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie the scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And you shall gather into your house your father and mother, your brothers, and all your father's household. Then, if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head. So, Rahab and the spies, they make this deal. And to seal the deal, they they use this marker, this symbol of a scarlet cord or a scarlet rope to set her house apart. That as long as it hangs from that house, whoever is inside will be protected, will be covered from the battle that is to come. Now, for those of you that were paying attention last week, this should sound somewhat familiar, doesn't it? This happened 40 years previously, something called the Passover, where the Israelite people put the blood of a lamb on their doorposts and it protected them from the judgment of God. Of course, if you're really paying attention, it should remind you of something else, shouldn't it? That not only does this symbol, this action, look backwards to the Passover, but it looks forwards and ahead to the cross. This symbol and what it represents is the exact thing that the cross represents for us. That the scarlet blood of the cross is what protects us, what makes us clean where we find our shelter. The cross is our safety. The cross is our way maker. It is the cross that justifies us. We're told what happens next is what God had said would happen, that he gives his people the victory. Some of you know the story. The people surrounded the city and the walls came tumbling down. And then we see this in Joshua chapter six, starting in verse 23. So the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. They brought out all her relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel and they burned the city with fire and everything in it. Only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. But Rahab, the prostitute in her father's household and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Here we see the last faith lesson I want to leave you with today, that faith always leaves a legacy. Faith always leaves a legacy. Rahab shows up three times in the New Testament. 
We've looked at two of them already. We see her in Hebrews chapter 11, this faith hall of fame. We see her in James chapter two, put up uh, with Abraham, the father of faith. And then the third time that we see her is in Matthew chapter one. Do you know what Matthew chapter one is? It's the genealogy of Jesus. The genealogy of Jesus, this is how Matthew starts his gospel by walking through where Jesus came from. I wanna just read this to you. He starts with Abraham, and then we see this in verse five and six. Salmon, the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David, the king. Do you see that? That Rahab married a man named Salmon. They had Boaz. Boaz shows up in the story of Ruth, another story of God using unlikely people and breaking through barriers, and that led to Obed, Jesse, and then David, that's King David, the, one of the most important people in the history of scripture. See, faith always leaves a legacy. This is what this story teaches, that you have no idea what will happen when you take a step of faith. You have no idea how God will use that, bless that, multiply that in ways that you cannot imagine and in ways that you might not even see on this side of heaven. Rahab gave a friendly welcome to a couple of spies. That's what Hebrews tells us. And through that action, Jericho fell. Israel entered the promised land. Rahab's life is transformed. Her family receives a new home and a new identity. And her descendants include some of the most important people in history, including the savior of the world. Acts of faith always leave an impact. They always have ripple effects. They always leave a legacy. This is why it matters that we, the church today, are ready for them. Because like Rahab, oftentimes they happen when we least expect them. So today, church, be ready. Be ready for God to use you and watch what he does with it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for the opportunity to come here to to worship you. Lord, we know that there are many around the world that would give anything for this. Lord, thank you for the encouragement we see in your word. Thank you for stories of transformation, stories of hope, stories that remind us that you have made a way. Father, I do pray now for for anyone here that that might be struggling with believing that they're too far gone, that they've messed up too much. Father, remind them of the truth of your word, that you are always with us, that you have not left us, that your love is eternal. We love you so much. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Would you take a seat for just a second? My name is Jenny Allen. I'm the director of middle school ministry here. And I just wanted to say thank you so much for worshiping with us this morning. One of the things that I was thinking of as I was listening to the message this morning was that worship and God's pursuit and chasing of us doesn't start or stop in this room or in this building. We believe that God pursues us and chases after us in our homes, in our workplaces. And one of the things, one of the places we're excited for our people to experience him is in the schools around our community. And knowing that this is a fun going back to school season, fun for some of us more than others, right? I would like to ask that if you are a student or a teacher or admin, 
school staff, parent of students, would you stand up so that your church family can cover you in prayer for this season of going back to school? Would you stand up? Church family, let's pray together and cover these people in prayer as they go back to school. Father God, we call on your holy name as your bride, Lord. God, we want our schools to be a place where your name is known and glorified. And God, we trust that you have called and equipped these people for that work. God, I call on the promise of peace that Jesus offers. God, would you cover these people in peace? God, if our students are nervous, God, would you clear that so that they can experience fully your grace and opportunities you have for them? God, if our parents are nervous, God, would they experience that same peace and the same grace that you offer? God, would our schools be a place where our people are bold in their faith and inclusive and inviting God, would this be a place where your people come to know you better and better every day? And God, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would the rest of you who are able, please stand to receive this morning's benediction. And before so, I would like to remind you of two things. First of all, our prayer partners are excited and ready to pray with you in the classroom out in the lobby this morning. And secondly, in the lobby also is the Say Yes table. So go ahead and stop by and see how you can get involved and make an impact in the lives of kids through our kids ministry. Now for today's benediction. Go now in the name and power of our Lord Jesus Christ and the hope of his pursuit and the security of his protection and in the faith that you have received. Amen.